Welcome to Transformed by Grace, an in-depth Bible study of God's Word presented by the Berean Bible Society. Join us each time on this station as Pastor Kevin brings the transforming message of God's grace revealed through the Holy Scriptures. A concert violinist had a brother who was a bricklayer. One day a woman began talking to the bricklayer about how wonderful it was for him to be in the same family as the noted musician. But then not wanting to insult the bricklayer, she added, of course, We don't all have the same talents, and even in the same family, some just seem to have more ability than others. The bricklayer replied, You're telling me that violinist brother of mine doesn't know a thing about laying bricks, and if he wasn't able to make some money playing that fiddle of his, he couldn't hire a guy with know-how like mine to build his house. If he had to build a house himself, he'd be ruined. If you want to build a house... You don't look up violinist on the internet, and if you need someone to play the violin in an orchestra, don't hire a bricklayer. No two of us are exactly alike, and no one possesses every gift. In that way, houses get built and music gets played. In the church, God has gifted us in different ways, too. Our responsibility is to know and exercise the spiritual gift that He has given us. When we do... We build each other up in the faith, and the body of Christ is enabled to serve and reach out more effectively. Ephesians 4, 7 reads, But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. At Christmas and on birthdays, we give gifts to our family and loved ones. Think of Christmas morning. We all do not receive the same gifts. One gets a football, one a video game, Another receives clothes, someone gets a book, and another a power tool. Yet, although we each do not receive the same gifts as the others, the intent is for the gifts to be enjoyed and used. And here in Ephesians 4, we learn that Christ has given gifts to His church. And the same is true of the gifts that Christ gives to us. We do not all have the same gifts, but the Lord intends for us to use our gift for the good of all in the family of God. To every one of us in the body has been given grace. And the gospel for today, this current dispensation, and the Christian life are all wrapped up in the word grace. God is the God of all grace. Grace is an expression of what God does and gives and what we freely receive. Grace, by definition, is an act of giving. And unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift. God in His grace gives. What He gives is unmerited, unearned, undeserved, and free, as a gift is. Ephesians 2.8 states clearly that salvation is by grace and is the gift of God. And here we learn that there is something else that God freely gives to us by grace. Spiritual gifts. They are called gifts because they are a gift given to us by grace from Him. Being in Christ, you gain many blessings from God. You gain heaven, eternal life, the Holy Spirit, all spiritual blessings. And as we see here, spiritual gifts. Pastor Don Webb gives these gifts the following definition. They are a ministry, 
talent, or ability given by God through the indwelling Holy Spirit for the building up of the body of Christ. Paul says unto every one of us, there's no believer that's left out. There is no such thing as a non-gifted believer. Each believer has received a gift, a divine enablement, a divine endowment, a divine capacity to minister to the church. We each have some God-given spiritual enablement with which to serve the Lord. We each have a ministry from God and a purpose to fulfill in His church. Paul recognized his own gift and calling a few verses earlier here in chapter 3, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of His power. This refers to the grace of God that called Paul into his ministry as the apostle of the Gentiles. It was by grace, God's undeserved favor, that took Paul from being a persecutor, saved him, and then made him a minister. And Paul says that this same grace has been extended to each one of us in our own individual ministries and service to God. Romans 12.6 states that we have gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. And one author put it well that we are gifted according to God's plan, His purpose and measure. We do not determine or deserve our gift. God has His own individualized plan for each of us and has individually gifted us accordingly. Every believer is strategic in God's plan with his own unique skills, position, and responsibility. God is a God of variety and diversity. We see that clearly in creation with the incredible variety that we see on an everyday basis. And likewise, the members of his church are all different. We each have our own unique combination of gifts, strengths, personalities, and backgrounds. We each are a unique member of His body. When it comes to His church, God does not just stamp out a whole bunch of carbon copies. And though the legalists might think we should be, we are not cookie-cutter Christians. There are no two believers the same. Just like your fingerprint is like no other fingerprint of anyone in the world, you are 100% unique within the body of Christ. Each member has a particular role assigned by Christ, the head of the body. No two members are alike. You bring your own perspective, personality, and strengths to each gift, making it and you unique, and making you absolutely necessary and strategic to the church. Christ's wisdom in the gifts for each individual believer of His body teaches us that the church cannot fully function the way it was meant to function without you. No one person has all the gifts that the body needs. It is a cooperative effort through which the body ministers to one another and that it is able to reach out to the world and maintain its unity and its growth. Nobody brings what you bring to the table in the church. We need you and what you bring to the church because there's nobody else in the whole body of Christ like you. And the beauty of the church is seen in Christ gracing His people with differing gifts who are each necessary and unique and who need each other. 
The body of Christ is a team, and it needs everyone to do their part and to pull together. As Christ's gifts are used by faith, the diversity in the body makes the church a powerful force in this world as a witness for Him. And the gift, the enablement that has been given to you is the gift of Christ. We are being taught something by these gifts being the gift of Christ. This is God's Word putting a gentle pressure on us by grace to do something with it. When Christ, by His grace, gave you His spiritual gift to serve Him by, it was an act of love. It shows He sees you as different, as individually unique and important for His church. Christ sees you like He sees in nobody else in this whole universe. Giving you your spiritual gift shows He knows you. In His wisdom, He knows you could live out that gift powerfully by faith. We'll be returning to the program in just a minute. But first, we'd like to take this time to thank you, our partners, for making these programs possible. If you would like to access our library of helpful Bible study tools, go to BereanBibleSociety.org. Daily Transformation is a paperback 412-page book written by Pastor John Fredrickson. We welcome you as you journey with us through the pages of this devotional to not only learn information, but to benefit from examples of faith and failure and seek to apply God's Word to everyday life. Together, let's transition from only studying theories of doctrine to applying God's truths in a practical way. May God use these studies to help you find daily transformation. To order your copy, contact the Berean Bible Society for pricing and availability at 262-255-4750 or visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org. To receive our free full-color 32-page monthly magazine, The Berean Searchlight, call 262 262- 255-4750 or subscribe online at www.bereanbiblesociety.org Thank you again for your generous gifts. Ephesians 4, 8-10 reads, Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, What is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. Christ has given gifts to each member of his body. And here we see the apostle drawing a conclusion based on the truth of this section of why Christ had the right to give gifts to his church. Paul wanted the church to know that although the gift given to us is free, there was a great cost that had to be paid to make this bestowal of grace available. Paul quotes from Psalm 68, which reads, This is the hill which God desireth to dwell in, yea, the Lord will dwell in it forever. Thou hast ascended on high, thou hast led captivity captive, thou hast received gifts for men. Psalm 68 is a messianic psalm that will be fulfilled at Christ's second coming to Israel. 
when after he returns and defeats Israel's enemies, he will then ascend Mount Zion to establish his kingdom and reign over all the earth from Jerusalem. The picture in that prophecy is how in the past, when a king of Israel would go to war, following a victorious campaign, he would return and he would ride in and ascend the hill of Mount Zion or Jerusalem. And the king would have all the spoils and all the captives with him in a triumphal procession. At that time, he would receive gifts from men for his victory on their behalf. And the king would also lead captivity captive. And this means he would lead the recaptured captives. Many times, other nations had Israelites in prison, or the Israelite soldiers were taken as prisoners of war. But when a king of Israel conquered that nation, he would free those captives and bring them back to their own land and parade them before those in Jerusalem because it was a great honor to bring these captives home and release them back in the land. This is a future prophecy of the Messiah as a conquering warrior. It refers to when he will be victorious over Israel's enemy, the Antichrist. And he will have the spoils of victory on one hand in that day. And he will also have his own people who were held prisoner around the world at that time that he has now released and will then set free into his kingdom. And in that great day, he will receive gifts of gratitude from Israel as he establishes their kingdom on Mount Zion. Paul, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uses this Old Testament passage and adapted it to the truth he was expounding on. He teaches us a couple of truths about Christ's ascension to heaven in verse 8. Instead of ascending Mount Zion to establish his earthly kingdom, Paul used this passage from Psalms to speak of when Christ gloriously ascended up on high to heaven, taking his place at God's right hand, where he now rules and reigns in his heavenly ministry. Paul had referred to the ascension earlier in Ephesians, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion. To understand led captivity captive, we need to remember that before the cross, both the lost and the saved, when they died, went to Hades in the center of the earth. Luke 16, 19-31 describes Hades as being divided between a place of paradise called Abraham's bosom and a place of torment with a great gulf fixed between. Now, when Abraham died in the past, he is said to have been gathered to his people and not unto the Lord. You find that said also of Isaac, Jacob, Moses, and Aaron. They were gathered to their people in paradise in the center of the earth in Hades. And in Luke 16, that is where we find Abraham in Hades, in the place of paradise in it. And now that place had become named after himself, Abraham's bosom. And when the beggar Lazarus died, he too was gathered to his people 
It says the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, or Hades, he lifted up his eyes and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Now you'll recall that the Lord told the thief on the cross, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Paradise then was in the center of the earth. We further know this because the Lord said in Matthew twelve forty, For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And also, as Paul writes here in Ephesians 4, 9, when our Lord died, He descended first into the lower parts of the earth, into Hades, and was in paradise, or Abraham's bosom, between his death and his resurrection. Our Lord spent three days and three nights in paradise, in the heart of the earth, in the lower parts of the earth. After his victorious cross and his resurrection, when Christ ascended to heaven, Paul wrote that he led captivity captive. Like in Psalm 68, when the captives will be those who belong to Christ, to be set free into his kingdom, the captives here that Christ took to heaven with him at his ascension were his own. It was the Old Testament prophetic saints taking those in Abraham's bosom with him to heaven at his ascension. And this explains why Paul wrote that paradise is now up when it used to be in the lower parts of the earth. In 2 Corinthians 12, 3 and 4, we read, And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth, how that he was caught up, into paradise, and heard unspeakable words. This is also why the martyrs of the future tribulation go to heaven and not to paradise in the center of the earth when they die. At our Lord's ascension, now with His blood having been shed, those in paradise were able to reside in and were now welcome in God's presence in heaven. They could not be taken into God's heaven until Christ had paid for their sins at the cross. But now, with Christ's victorious, all-sufficient, finished work of reality, and with their sins paid for and washed away by His blood, Christ led captivity captive. And these saints received a surprise of grace as the Old Testament saints were taken from Abraham's bosom and led in victory to heaven by Christ at His ascension. And Christ flung open the doors of Abraham's bosom and released and freed these godly captives confined to the center of the earth, and He took them directly into God's presence in heaven. In Christ's ascension up on high to heaven, there was a triumphal procession in that day to glory. Christ came to earth to do battle uh, with our enemies of sin, death, and Satan and His demonic hosts. And our Lord completely vanquished our enemies and won that battle by His finished work. After His resurrection, Christ ascended to heaven in victory, leading captivity captive as He went. And Colossians 2.15 says, Having spoiled demonic principalities and powers, He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. But when it is time for the second coming, 
after the tribulation, when Christ comes to fight for Israel and vanquish the Antichrist and his army at Armageddon, these prophetic kingdom saints in heaven will come with the Lord to the earth. Jude 1.14 speaks of Christ at his second coming and says, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands or myriads of his saints. Revelation 19.14 also refers to these saints. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. The hope of the prophetic saints is the kingdom of heaven on the earth. They will come with our Lord and take their place in his eternal kingdom on the earth at his second coming. But the body of Christ remains in heaven because that is our eternal hope and eternal calling. Now, unlike Psalm 68, when Christ received gifts of thanksgiving from men on his triumphal parade to Mount Zion at his second coming, Paul wrote by inspiration that under grace, having ascended up on high, he gave gifts unto men. And these are the spiritual gifts he has given to every one of us in the church in his exaltation and in his ministry as the head of the body of Christ. Christ, having ascended to heaven after having conquered his foes and leading captivity captive, captive to heaven, now by his grace gave and gives spiritual gifts to his church in his exaltation at God's right hand. Before Paul goes on to speak of some of these gifts, he digresses. Verses 9 and 10 are a parenthesis. You can see that in your Bible. Paul wrote about how the ascension presupposes and implies a descension. And Christ, he said, descended first even to the lower parts of the earth. The descension down speaks to us of his incarnation, his death, his burial, the three days he spent in the heart of the earth, his ascension speaks to us of his resurrection, his life, his catching up to heaven, and exaltation in heaven. And Paul demonstrates by all this how Christ received the right and authority to bestow gifts to his church. And in doing so, Paul gives us a strong and striking contrast. He gives the extreme range of our Lord's condescension and then his exaltation. In his condescension, he came to the earth and he became a man. But even beyond this, he humbled himself and was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And then he descended even to paradise in the lower parts of the earth during his three days in the tomb. But in his resurrection and then his ascension, he was rightly raised up high to the highest heaven and to the highest of heights in his exaltation in heaven. And as Philippians says, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. And as Paul says here, He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heaven. And Ephesians 1 says that at God's right hand, the Father hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over the church, which is his body, 
the fullness of Him that filleth all in all. So therefore, He has every right to fill all things, as Ephesians 4.10 tells us, to fill all the body with His life and power and in all ways and give His gifts according to His perfect will. And His exaltation and by His victory over sin and death on our behalf, He has the right to rule His church. He has the authority to give gifts to it as He wills. So the one who cared enough for you and me to descend from heaven to this earth, even to the lower parts of the earth, is the same one who cares deeply for the church's well-being. And thus He has given gifts to each one of us to equip the church for its good, for its service, its unity, and its growth. We are taught in all of this. You take a step back to think about it all. We're taught that we cannot treat the spiritual gift that He has given to us lightly. And this challenges us to know and use the spiritual gift that He gave to me to serve Him because He died and rose again, which gave Him the right to give me my gift. You see, grace by His dissension, victory and ascension. And it's by that grace that Christ has given you a gift, a gift that He wants you to know and to develop and to serve Him by. And when we stop to think of all that Christ has given, and He has given me this gift and enabled me to serve Him based on His sacrifice for me, then my obedience to Him him, is not something that's about following a rule. My obedience, then, is something that springs out of a heart filled with gratitude. And today, that's what motivates us. God's grace motivates us to obey and it transforms us and drives us to want to serve Him, to want to do more for Him. As one person said, when I stand before God at the end of my life, I would hope that I would not have a single bit of talent left and could say, I used everything you gave. One time the show Ripley's Believe It or Not showed a plain bar of iron worth a mere $5. It was shown that this same bar of iron, if made into horseshoes, would be worth $50. If it were made into needles, it would be worth $5,000. If it were made into balance springs for fine Swiss watches, it would be worth $500,000. The raw material is not as important as how it's developed. We each have spiritual gifts, but their worth to the church will be dependent on how and if they are developed. In our own hand, our gift is a plain bar of iron. But just imagine the value of that gift to the body of Christ and what could happen if you discover your spiritual gift Turn it in your life over to Christ and allow Him to develop it in you. Thank you again for tuning in to Transformed by Grace. We appreciate your prayer support and the financial gifts. 
The purpose and mission of the Berean Bible Society is to help you understand the whole counsel of the Word of God. For more information, visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org or give us a call at 262-255-4750. Or if you prefer, write us at the Berean Bible Society, P.O. Box 756, Germantown, Wisconsin, 53022. Now until next time, may you be transformed by God's grace.